Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Today's going to be a little bit more like a Bible study than a message. Uh, but this is the way the Lord rolled it out to me. And uh, I, 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 we may even continue uh, next week and pick up where we dropped off today, but I, I'm not 100% Sure. But open your Bible to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation, Revelation one and verse nine. He begins by saying, I, John, John has already done his introduction and salutations, all the greetings and all that is out of the way. At this point, he's about to begin in the very body of the book. And when he begins this part of the book of Revelation, he mirrors the language of Daniel. And just as Daniel was moved by God to record his visions and dreams in the Old Testament, John would do the same in the New. But let's take a look at this parable in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, identical to I, John, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet. What's happening here is a wonderful thing. Daniel himself is a prophet, but you find him reading the work of another prophet. And as he studied Jeremiah, he began to see things that he would not otherwise see. And I recognize you've attained some level of spirituality, but the reality is you still need your brothers and sisters. There are things I know that you don't yet know, and there are some things that you know that I might need to know. So Daniel recognized that he was part of a bigger picture, and everybody had their peace. And as he read Jeremiah, he began to realize that the years of Babylonian captivity were about to come to an end. And Jeremiah, by the way, in the book of Jeremiah, he prophesies this in two places, but today we're only going to look at the second place. Go to Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29 in verse 10. For thus says the Lord, this was not his opinion, this wasn't his bright idea. He had heard from heaven, and this was the announcement. After 70 years are completed at Babylon. How many of you think that statement's pretty clear? The problem was the people reading it weren't, weren't certain whether they should take it literally or figuratively. So does this 70 years mean 70 literal years, or is seven, you know, the number of completion? Does it mean something else? So the rabbis would talk, and, and they debate this thing. But God finally settled the issue and revealed to Daniel that the promise was, in fact, literal. And at this point, they had come to the end of the 70-year period. After 70 years are completed at Babylon. Now, most of us that know the Bible recognize there's a context here and a whole history that precedes this verse. 
God had told the Israelites over and over and over and over again. He warned them, hey, guys, if you keep worshiping idols, if you keep being unfaithful to your covenant with me, I'm going to have to to deal with you harshly. And after, again, time and time again, the people remained stiff-necked, just like many of us in this room. And God was forced to release some consequences. But I want you to notice, even in his judgment, Notice the anticipation of the father. And by the way, he wants you out of jail even more than you do. He might have had to put you in jail, but it was for your own safety. It's because you were dangerous. And he puts you there to protect people and maybe even to protect you. But he wants you out of that place. That is not his desire for you. After 70 years are completed at Babylon, what was on his mind? I will what? Visit you. He was saying to them, hey, guys, you are going and you did bad. You did wrong. I told you if you keep doing that, there'd be consequences. But after you serve your time, I want to get back to business as usual. I want to visit you in a special way. God can make even the most painful things sweet. And that's what he does here. Please hear the heart of the father. He said, and I will visit you and watch this and perform my good word towards you. In spite of all the bad they did, God still had a good word over their life. And no matter how bad your situation, God still has a hope and a future. He still has a good word over your life once you go through the process. And I will cause you to return to this place. He's saying, in spite of what you've done, I am the comeback king, the comeback kid, and I will give you a comeback. Everything lost, everything, so I will get back to you. I have to discipline you because you keep messing up. But when it's over, I got ice cream. There's going to be a hug. You hear what I'm saying? Daddy's going to remind you of his kindness. You know, you can make a parent have to do things a parent don't want to do. And this was the case with Israel. And people could say, oh, my parents so mean, so hard. It's because they loved you. And this was the case with the father. Then he said, for I know, I know in the middle of the whooping, it doesn't feel like this is true. But I know the thoughts that I think toward you. The NIV says, I know the plans, says the Lord. If your life is like mine, it didn't go the way you planned it. But it has gone the way he planned it. And sometimes some things just didn't make sense. God, the straightest way, you know, the, 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 the shortest history, two lines, a straight line, Lord. Why am I weaving in and weaving out? Sometimes it makes no sense. But God has a plan, and he knows exactly what he's doing. I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace. I'm not trying to hurt you. And not of evil. To give you, I'm only doing this for your future. If I don't correct you, it will ruin your future. The whipping is on the way to your future. And thank God for the whipping because, listen, if mama didn't whip you at home, you might have to deal with Bubba, Bubba in the cell. You get what I'm, I'm, I don't know how to say that better. I, I'm trying to clean that up. 
But because of their future, God did that. And sometimes in my life, I say, why, God? Why are you messing with me? Why are you being so hard? Why are you being so difficult? Pick on somebody else, God. But God saw a future. He said, boy, the only way you're going to get to your future is if I deal with this thing in you. Unless I address it, you're going to destroy yourself. You're going to implode. You're going to hurt others because I love you and the future I have planned for you. I have to sometimes deal with you roughly. Sometimes I have to make you uncomfortable. Sometimes I just have to be a father. Back to Revelation 1 and 9. I... John, like Oprah, like Tiger, like Ellen, Roseanne. By this time in the apostle's life, he was in a class by himself, and his name became mononymous. You know, it's, it's a rare person that you only use one word, prince, <laughs> to describe them. But the apostle had reached this level. Peter had died. James had died. All the other apostles had died. Paul had even been martyred by this time. All that was left was John. But I want you to pay attention to how John speaks of himself. And this is important because parenting is more of an art than than a science. But as your kids grow older, they still need a daddy. But sometimes more than the authority figure, they need a brother. They they, they need a nod from the old guy that puts his pants on one leg at a time, just like them. Say, brother, I know exactly what you're feeling. I I know what you're... So as a parent, you got to learn, particularly as they get older, when to to, to, to say, son, and when to say... Brother, I, I've been there. I, I know exactly what you're going. I know exactly what you're feeling. And, and, and that's, a, that, that's an art. And here John, who typically in his epistles, he's the elder John. He's old. He, he, he called believers his little children over and over and over again. But he changes his normal practice here for a reason. The church was growing up. He was about to leave it. So instead of being just the authority, he spoke as a brother. He said, both your brother and what? Companion in what, though? Tribulation. You know, sometimes when you're elevated in ministry, people can think more of you than you want. You could become larger than life and, and all the rest. But, but what he says is, I am your companion in tribulation, meaning his office did not exempt him from pain. If anything, it only gave him more of it. And John was saying, when, when I'm cut, I bleed just like you. When I'm criticized, I feel rejected just like you. When things don't go my way, I hurt and got to figure things out just like you. And he was saying, I am your fellow pilgrim in this journey. Companion in tribulation. And then he says, and kingdom. John had lived his life in the world, but not of the world. 
But as he lived, he had this homesick gut feeling for that period where the kingdom of this world would become the kingdoms of God's beloved son. And, and there was a homesickness in him every day of his life. He wanted to be with Jesus. Then he describes it further with this last descriptive. And patience of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible calls disciple uh, John, the disciple, loved by Jesus. And what we're seeing here is even the disciple that Jesus loved had to learn to wait. Faith in God includes trusting his timing. And you can't say you believe in God's character, you believe in his promise, but you won't believe in his time. The same God that appoints the time and the season is the same God that promised you. So I've learned in my life, if I'm going to trust him, I also have to trust his timing. Not to get out there too quick, too soon. And, and things very seldom happen according to my timeline and my schedule. The same with John. If it was up to John, Jesus probably would have returned in the first century. If it was up to me, he probably would have returned just a couple of years ago. But it doesn't happen according to our plan. God knows the last person he wants to bring into the kingdom before he comes. So if I did it my way, that person might be left out. You hear what I'm saying? So as we trust God, we also have to trust his timing. He said, this John, your brother, your companion, was on the island that is called Patmos, a little rocky island off the shore of Turkey. And it, it homed a, a strategic Roman military post, administrative office, and a few other things. There's a little village there as well. But it was also a, a rock quarry on that island for felons. So here we have this man who has lived an honorable life, a man that has traveled and, and has served Jesus for years. He comes to the end of his life, and instead of a beautiful retirement villa, he spends his latter years, and probably he was only on this island maybe a year, 18 months or so, with a hammer in his hand working like a slave. Why? See, some of us have the idea that the word of God only comes to bring us material blessings. Now, there's a place for that because God does bless those that diligently seek. The Bible talks about he, 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 he blesses and adds no sorrow. It talks about 30, 60, 100 fold. But here's the deal. Some people have made that the gospel. That might come alongside the gospel. It might be a result of the gospel. Anywhere Christ is proclaimed, the society, culture, people, and the faithful are lifted up. The scripture says here that he was on this island called Patmos for the word of God, meaning the word of God may not always get you a new house, may not always mean a new car. Now, sometimes it does, and I thank God when it does. But let me tell you something, if having a house and having a car is more important than your God, that thing has become your idol, has become the object of your worship. And there'll be points in everyone's life that you have to make a choice between your stuff and your God. And John had to make a decision. Am I going to keep proclaiming it like it is? Keep my stuff? Or am I, 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 I going to shift my message and suffer? I said that backwards, but you know what I meant. 
I was on the Isle of Patmos for, pay attention, the word of God. Meaning the word of God doesn't always get you in a soft place. The word of God will not always bring you into a pleasant place. Now, ultimately, eventually, yes, we come out of these things. God blesses. He's a rewarder. But because of the word, he was banished. He says, and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. You know, if our nation continues to go in the direction it's going in, we might experience some of this too. You know, I read in a magazine article that in parts of Europe, it is now illegal to share the gospel with a child, illegal to share the gospel with the elderly, and illegal to share the gospel with the infirm. Even in our own nation, the founder of Chick-fil-A believed the Bible. And the mayor of Chicago said, you cannot come here. It says, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus. What if the testimony of Jesus starts to cost you something? Here's something you need to understand. And it will give you some light for the day we live in. Today's pundits, folks on television, celebrities, for the most part have no problem talking about God, worshiping God, or even honoring God. The problem only comes when you say that name. You know, I've done prayers in in government circles, all type, and I'm always cautioned before I speak. You know, talk about God, pray with just that name. I say it anyway. I'm not disrespectful, but here's the deal. You invited me. You knew who I was. My book says do everything in the name of Jesus. But here's the insight. We are in an anti-Christian era. Pay attention. The Bible does not say that the Antichrist will be anti-God. Let me say it again. The Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, who will one day be a person, but it's a spirit right now, the Bible talks about, but that's another thing, is not anti-God. It's anti-Christ. They can handle any other, but them Christians. Those people hugging on the Bible, talking about Jesus is the, them people, they're dangerous. We're living in an age that's not anti-God, but anti-Christ. In spite of all that was happening, he had every reason to be upset, every reason to be disappointed. Old man finishing out his life this way. Was, was, was not pleasant, but watch this. I was in the spirit <laughs> on the Lord's day. Yes. An old man stripped of all his comforts, sent to a labor camp. Some tradition says he actually lived in a cave. When Sunday came, did anybody? When Sunday came, given the circumstances, 
Most of us would be upset with God, argue with God. Why, God? Why? I've been faithful. How do such things happen? God, I thought you were controlling the universe. God, things are going to muck. Things have gone awry. God, why? But John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. When you truly have a relationship with God's spirit, not just a relationship with your stuff, your circumstances, and most of us have circumstantial up and down relationships with God. Depending on how my wife, husband, children, boss, and the people in my neighborhood are behaving will determine how high my praise is. But not John. These were different. It was a different type of man here. They, they don't make people the same way anymore. I believe he wants to make some in this room. In spite of it all, I was in the spirit. Some of you don't even take a hangnail to keep you out of church. <laughs> Beating rocks, tired, old, in a cold cave with no heat, no AC. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Whether in the cave or the back seat of a car. As long as there's strength in this body, God, you are worthy of my praise. That was his attitude. That was how he lived. And that must be how we live. Then it says, after he's in the spirit, talking about God, you're good. I know stuff. I love you. I'm for you, Jesus. Not going the way I planned, but you're still God. And he heard footsteps. You know, you might think you're alone, but God is a present help in trouble. And I heard behind me, when John looked back, he saw that God had been with him all the time. Sometimes my soul looks back and wonders how I got over. And John looked back, and when he looked back, he saw Jesus and you say, well, well, if Jesus was with me, why did this happen? But he looked back and saw Jesus was involved in everything that was happening. It wasn't John's plan, but God was still working out his plan. And I heard behind me a loud voice. I know many of you from backgrounds love you, embrace you, and it's okay. You, you worship God with the song. Oh, you do so many, you know, that type of Latin deal. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.